to church, everybody. Yeah. And uh, to all of you who are joining us online right now, much love to you. Very glad you are along for the ride. Newark, will you show some love to everybody online? Yeah. We are uh, in the final week of a series we've called Mind Games. And if you're joining us for the first time, uh, we're going to be celebrating baptism today after all of our gatherings this weekend at, at uh, both of our physical locations. And it's already been a great weekend. It's going to be a party uh, today as we celebrate with people who are, who are taking this step. And we've been in a series where we've talked about the connection between faith and mental health. So between our spiritual health and our, and our mental health. And if you are joining us for the first time, you can catch up on all the messages in this series on our YouTube channel. Uh, but if you've been here for part or all of the series and some of this has hit home for you, I want to take a couple of moments on the front end and just talk about what my hope is for you when it comes to your next step. So wherever you're coming from spiritually, first and foremost, I want you to know my prayer for you is that you would find Jesus. And that's not just Christian speak, okay? I don't, I'm not talking about finding a religion or finding even this thing called Christianity or even finding a church. I'm talking about finding a real relationship with God through faith in Jesus. That's my hope for you, my prayer for you. Whether it's in a gathering like this one or some other environment, you would start that journey of really knowing God for yourself. And then my prayer for you is that you would be baptized. So that's what we're going to celebrate today, and I'll talk a little bit more about what it means and why we take this step. But my prayer for you is you would go public with your faith, and then that you would find some people to do life with, people who are going the same direction spiritually. And the way we do that around here is to connect in what we call a J group. So a J group is just a small group of people doing life together throughout the week, laughing together, learning together, praying for each other, chipping and dipping together many times, and uh, just doing life together. And it's so vital to our mental and spiritual health. So my prayer for you is that you would get connected in a group, and then that you would discover how God has designed you and gifted you uniquely, and you would use that to make a difference, to, to make someone else's life better. We talked about this last week, that you would find your purpose, and the way we live that out here is serving on the J team. So whether it's running a camera, playing an instrument, helping kids or students learn to know about God, opening a door, serving behind the scenes, whatever it may be, that you would find a way to use your life, your experiences, your personality, and make someone else's life better. Because I think, again, that's so connected to our spiritual and mental health. So that's what the journey looks like. And if you are, so many of you are living that out already, but if, you're, if you find yourself somewhere in there and you want to know what, does it, what would it look like for me to take one or more of those steps, you can find out at Plugged In. We offer that every weekend, all of our locations, physical and online. And I would love for you to start that journey. So as we get into this, this message, uh, final message of the series and Baptism Weekend, uh, speaking of connecting with people, a few years ago, I had the opportunity to get connected with a group of other lead pastors. So uh, it's a great group. I've been a part of it for a few years now. We come from all over the country. We meet twice a year for several days. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We eat. We tell dumb jokes. Just anything, you know, think about what people do when they get together together. That's what we do. But when I first showed up, to be honest, I felt a little intimidated. Anybody else ever felt kind of intimidated in an environment? And I felt this pressure to behave a certain way. Like, I, you know, I'm not so sure I fit in. So here's where that came from. For me, I don't come from a typical pastor's background. So my, my parents weren't pastors. I grew up around church, but not in church. It wasn't until I was 15 that I, that I began to know Jesus. And I went to a very small 
church growing up. And so I just, I felt a little intimidated. And I looked around the room and I thought, okay, this is my perception. Most of these guys, is a group of, of uh, men who are lead pastors. And again, we pray for each other. We hold each other accountable. Our wives join us uh, once a year and they hold us accountable, if you know what I mean. So, it's, so I looked around the room and saw all these guys and I thought, okay, most of these guys are from the South. A lot of them are unusually muscular and most of them are dressed more stylishly than me. And none of that would have mattered except I'm not moving south, so that's not going to happen. I'm working on the muscular thing, but I'm coming from a strong genetic deficit, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and when it comes to clothes, I mean, I like to, good, I like to look good, but, but I am an is-it-on-sale guy at the end of the day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like my, most, my number one criteria is, is it on sale? My wife always tells me, that's a good, it should be two or three. I'm like, no, that's number one. Is it on sale? So I'm just telling you right now, this is a baptism weekend t-shirt. I had a coupon for this. I had a coupon for these, and these were a gift. I'm rocking about $48 worth of clothing in total. Just so you know, and yeah, I'm feeling strong, you know. So what was I feeling that day? And again, so many of you felt it too. I was feeling something positive that God put in us, which is a desire to belong, and I was feeling something not so positive, which was the fear that I didn't fit. And all of us have been there. In those moments, we feel this pressure to behave a certain way in order to belong, right? And that's not healthy for us. It's not good for us spiritually or mentally to, to give in to, feel that pressure. Because what happens is we, we stop experiencing the environment. We stop connecting with people and we, we start worrying and we have this narrative in our head. Do I look right? Am I coming across the right way? Are my jokes funny? Does my breath smell? You know, all those things that go through our head. And here's the question today is whatever our background, so wherever you come from, maybe you are all in with Jesus and church, maybe you're skeptical, maybe you're somewhere in between. If we want to belong with God, like if we want to know deep down, okay, God and I are good. We're tight. We're close. I fit. I don't have to worry about it. And if we want to belong with other people who belong to God, what does that require? I mean, do we have to look a certain way? Do we have to play the part? Do we have to behave in a certain manner? And then what does this baptism thing have to do with that? Because most of us are at least a little bit familiar with baptism, even if we've just seen it in the movies, this idea of people, you know, being immersed in water, or having water sprinkled on them. But what, what does that have to do with belonging with God? Well, there's a little book in the New Testament of the Bible called Galatians that we're going to look at today. If you're new to the Bible, Galatians was written by a guy named Paul. Uh, Paul wrote a number of books that we have in the New Testament. And when he wrote the book of Galatians to the church that was in Galatia, some Bible scholars believe this might have been the first book of the New Testament that was actually written. And he was, I don't know any other way to put it, he was fired up. So this is like Paul's most fired up book of the Bible. And if you read it, like he gets a little bit intense. And the reason is because in Paul's words... There were a bunch of people in the church in Galatia who had started out believing in Jesus, but now they were trying to become perfect by their own human effort. That's what he says. And the way they were trying to do that is they started by putting all their trust in Jesus, but now they were following the Old Testament law. So if you read the Old Testament, the Bible has all of these laws, and not just the Ten Commandments, like the big moral laws that some of us are familiar with, but all of these ceremonial laws. And and laws that had to do with customs, and don't eat this, don't wear that, don't go here, don't do that. And so these, these people in the church in Galatia, they had started following this law, and it all began when some religious people came among them and said, hey, 
I know you believe in Jesus, but that's not enough. You don't quite belong with God yet. You have to follow all of this law, and then you'll really know that you and God are good, that you, are, that you really are close to God. So Paul gets very fired up, and then he takes a breath. This is actually one of his calmer moments that we're going to read in the book of Galatians. Takes a breath, and he sets this straight. Here's what he writes. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, so before Jesus came, we were placed under guard by the law. In other words, God had given humanity the law as like a babysitter or a, a supervisor. The law was looking over our shoulder, making sure we didn't mess things up. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Now, how many of us, by a show of hands, have ever been pulled over for a traffic violation? Can I just see a show of hands? So I have. Uh, some of you know. Uh, it's happened a few times in my life. I'm well, I'm making a lot of progress, just so you know. After a long and difficult path of Jesus working in my life, I often come very close to following the traffic laws. So, but first time I ever got pulled over, I was 16. And I had my license for about a month. I was driving my dad's car, and I tried to race a police officer in an unmarked car. <laughs> Couldn't make this up. I mean, why would I want to, right? It's like the dumbest thing ever, but... Had a friend with me, pulled up the light, had my license a month, saw this car kind of edging forward the light, all right, you want to go? And so, and then next thing I know, I'm getting pulled over. And I remember sitting there, 16 years old, side of the road, pulled over, freaking out. Why? Because I knew I had broken the law. So I know that some of us may have had experiences and we're like, I don't know why I'm being, but I knew why. I, like, I knew I had broken the law. And when you think about it, there's only one way to react to the law. Or only one of two ways, I should say. And that is either freaking out, which is what I was doing on the side of the road, 16 years old, or, watch this, nothing. There's really no in-between. So when we're not breaking the law, speaking of kind of the laws in our, in our society, we're all familiar with those. When we're not breaking those laws, or at least not worried about getting caught breaking those laws, we don't even think about them, right? They don't cross our mind. We don't walk around every day going, oh, what does the law say? And we just live our lives. But then when we break the law, and it's clear that we broke the law, and the flashing lights behind us or whatever's going on in our lives signals that we've broken the law, we start to sweat it. And we start to realize, okay, what am I going to do? And what do we, we're like, how do I get out of this? What do I say? What excuse do I give? You know, what, what's, what's going to happen next? Well, Paul says that God's law was very similar. It helped us for a time. It helped us. How did it help us? It was like a speed limit sign or the flash of a police car's lights. God's law kept us in check. It protected us from ruining our lives and each other's lives by clearly spelling out what was wrong. So God's law said, hey, don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't, don't do that. The problem was we couldn't obey it. Not all the time, not perfectly. In fact, when people really started to obey God's law and they were doing it well, they would get kind of proud of how well they were keeping the law, they would start to look down on other people who weren't keeping the law, and God would be like, hey, pride, that's one of the laws. You just broke the law. You know, so, so we were doomed. We just couldn't obey all of God's law. God is a holy and perfect God, and so he has these perfect laws, and the laws just pointed out when we did something wrong. And I'll prove it to you, very simple. I would imagine most of us have never been pulled over for obeying the speed limit, had the officer walk up to the window and say, hey, keep up the great work. That's not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to catch us when we are doing something wrong, protect us from ourselves, 
and from each other. And so the law kept us on our toes, but it couldn't fill the need in our souls, which was to know that we were right with God, that God and I are good. Like, we're, I belong. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to look over my shoulder. And so our minds play guilt games on us. And you've maybe experienced some of these when you're living under the law, when you're thinking, I got to be good enough to please God or good enough to prove that I'm worthy as a human being. What happens? You think, was I good enough today? Did I do it right? Do I belong? Am I going to get a ticket from God? In fact, here's a really sobering thing. Now, if you don't believe this, you can take a pass. But here's the teaching of the New Testament of the Bible, what people who believe in Jesus really believe, that without Jesus, so if you're here today and you say, I don't believe in Jesus, you know, that's not, that's not my thing. According to the New Testament, you are then responsible to keep all the laws. Like the options are Jesus or obey all the laws all the time. Did I mention Jesus? Like this, this is the way better option, just so you know. And so the truth is when all we had was the law, we had to behave to belong. You say, well, why doesn't God just you know, say, well, it's not really that big a deal? Because he's a holy and perfect God. And so the law was like a fence. It kept good people in and bad people out. But the problem was there was no gate in the fence. So if you broke the law, which all of us have done, you have, I have, you say, I've never broken the law. You just broke the law because you think you don't have any areas where you've broken the law, which is like one of the laws. So all of us, so we're all in the same boat. So the fence didn't have a gate. So if you broke the law, you were stuck outside. You couldn't get back in. And then Jesus came and he became the gate through which we can get to God. So when we believe in Jesus, it's as if we have kept every law, no matter how many we have broken. That's what Jesus came to do for us. So if you felt exhausted and depleted and embarrassed and ashamed by trying to be good enough for God, good news, there's another way. You can trust in Jesus to make you good enough for God. And now that's how we know we are right with God. In fact, Paul writes... Let me put it another way. The law was our guardian. So it was not that the law was bad. It just was insufficient. It was our guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. And now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. So this is the difference between empty religion and good news about Jesus. This is the difference between man-made religion and the good news about Jesus, religion always eventually says you have to behave in order to belong. The good news about Jesus is believing leads to belonging. It's not that behaving leads to belonging. <laughs> believing leads to belonging. <laughs> That's good news. Listen, it's faith in Jesus plus nothing that makes us right with God. Let me say that again. It's faith in Jesus plus nothing that makes us right with God. It's not faith plus obeying the spiritual speed limit. It's not faith plus six months of probation to prove ourselves. It's faith in Jesus plus nothing. So sometimes when we think about Jesus forgiving us, and for some of us, this might be what you thought of Christianity. You think, oh, Jesus forgiving us is kind of like, well, we've done some stuff wrong, but then Jesus comes along, he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. I won't tell God. You're good. You're good. Cool. I was dumb, but you're good. No, that's not what happened. Listen, here's the good news. 
Jesus didn't look the other way. He didn't cover up our sin. He didn't say, oh, don't worry about it. It's not really that big a deal. Jesus stared right at us in our need for God outside the fence and then took our sin upon himself. He paid the price. He paid our ticket, served our sentence, and through his death on the cross made us right with God. And now through Jesus, we can come into a relationship with God. So the way of faith is not behaving in order to belong. The way of faith is I put all of my trust, all of it, not 99%, all of my trust and confidence in Jesus who died for me, paid for my sins, made me right with God, and I believe that not only that, but he rose again and has filled me with his power to live this new life. That is the way of faith. That's what we believe. We're not, we're not a part of a religion. We have a real relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. That's the good news. And yet often what happens for us is when we look away from Jesus, which is a temptation for all of us no matter how long we've been following him, when we look away from Jesus, then our minds begin to play games on us when it comes to our faith and we wonder, yeah, but do I really belong? And maybe we look at the way we behaved on a certain day and think that that, assume that that negates our belonging. Okay, I didn't behave the way I should have, so now I no longer belong, which is why God gave us not only Christ to save us, but a community of faith to strengthen us. And by the way, both are essential to spiritual health. Now, the order is very important. We could have community all day long, and if we didn't have Christ, it wouldn't do anything for us. So we have Christ, we have Jesus who saves us, but we also have a community, other believers who strengthen us. That's why when Jesus was asked, what's the most important law of all, he said, I can't give you one. I have to give you two. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor, love each other as you love yourself. We need both. Why? Because Christ saves us, but a community like this, and when you, maybe even right now in this environment, you're experiencing it, the strengthening that comes from being around other people who are also trusting Jesus to forgive their sins, putting their hope in him, and you're being strengthened. We need people in our lives to remind us what our groups are all about, people around us who remind us, hey, you can step past the shame of not being good enough or religious enough or holy enough. You can resist the urge to hide your sins and your imperfections out of fear that you're going to be rejected if you reveal them, because the truth is when we believe in Jesus, he says that we belong. And what's true about us now is, watch this, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And there is a period at the end of that sentence. Plus nothing. Plus nothing. So whatever your family issues and whatever brokenness or dysfunction you've experienced or engaged in and whatever law you've broken and however fatherless you feel, when you put your faith in Jesus... You belong to God because believing leads to belonging. So if we believe in Jesus plus nothing to make us right with God, what do we do next? So I'm not, I'm not trying to, well, i got to follow these eight laws. No. I'm, I'm trusting Jesus to make me right with God. Well, what do I do next? Well, have you ever felt underdressed? Anybody ever had that experience? Like you didn't get the memo? It was dressy, and you showed up cash. You know what I'm saying? You were like, oh, this is awkward. This rumpled V-neck is not fitting in at this 
black tie affair, you know? Or it was cash and you showed up dressy and you're like, oh, this is a little uncomfortable here. So here's the deal. Some of us believe in Jesus, but our wardrobe hasn't caught up to our faith yet. Now, don't get nervous. I'm not talking about our physical clothing. I'm talking about our spiritual clothing. Because all of us are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, I love this, like putting on new clothes. So when I was a little kid, I loved the feeling of getting new clothes. Anybody else? I mean, I just, it didn't happen often in my family, and I got some hand-me-downs along the way too. So when I got something legit new, like not new, but hide this part because your brother, you know, no, like new, I just felt so good. I knew I looked good. I had this swagger. Like when I was six, I'd be like, what? new what it's a good feeling when you have new clothes believing in Jesus plus nothing makes us right with God and then all who believe in Jesus get united with Christ in baptism which is where our wardrobe catches up with our faith and it's like putting on new clothes except we don't have to go out and buy these clothes Jesus provides them for us. So watch this. Believing leads to belonging. Belonging leads to baptism. And you see this all throughout the New Testament when people put their faith in Jesus. That plus nothing makes them right with God. But then you see them taking this step of going public with their faith because now they're putting on Christ. They're being united. So Christ has saved them, but now they're going public and being united with a community of believers. Not just in a local church. I'm talking about believers all over the world who claim the name of Jesus. We are a part of that because we've been united with Christ. So for all of you who get baptized today... You will always know from now on that you are wearing the right thing. You got the memo. You are rocking fresh drip. You are dressed in the goodness of Jesus. From the moment you come up out of that water, what was personally made true when you put your faith in Christ is now publicly confirmed. You got the memo. You're wearing the right wardrobe. Listen, you may walk toward baptism wearing designer jeans or paint-speckled sweatpants, something you picked out at Nordstrom or picked up at the Goodwill. You may walk toward the water of baptism wearing a suit or cut-off shorts. It does not matter. When you rise up out of that water, you are washed. You have put on Christ. That's who you are. It's like putting on new clothes. And not only that, listen, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. So all who believed belong. All who belong were baptized. And now, here's what happened. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. And you can fill in a long list of tall, short, popular, overlooked, struggling, successful, muscular, me. I mean, you can fill in the whole. You can, no, 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 no. There's no longer any of that. Why? Because you're all one in Christ. Because he made you right with God. When we believe in Jesus, we belong to God. And when we are baptized, we belong with each other in Christ. So believing leads to belonging. Belonging leads to baptism. And from baptism on, the most important thing about us now is not what we look like or where we've been or what we've done. It's that we are in Christ. Baptism is the gift of a new spiritual wardrobe. 
So I have a friend who recently, he was, he was, I mean, he was wearing some expensive shoes. And I didn't know they were expensive shoes because I didn't, you know, I just didn't know, but they were, apparently they were really expensive shoes. And I complimented him on them. And he's, you know, he's a very humble, modest guy, but he was wearing these, these shoes. And I was like, wow, those are some cool shoes. And he was, at first he was a little bit uncomfortable, but he leaned in real close and he said, hey, I just want you to know these were a gift. Like, I couldn't afford these, but someone who loved me and could afford them bought them for me. Okay, good. So, let me say that one more time. Come back to me. So, he said, I couldn't afford these, but someone who loves me and could afford them bought them for me. I just want you to think about that for a moment. Baptism is me saying, I couldn't afford a relationship with God, but someone who loved me and could afford it bought it for me. So I'm not going to leave it sitting on a shelf somewhere. I'm going to put it on and I'm going to wear it. I'm not going to be ashamed. It's very obvious. I couldn't earn this. (laughs) This was a gift. Yeah, baptism is a gift of a new spiritual wardrobe. I've been made right with God, now I go public with my faith. Now, there's one more part of this that I want to share with you before we wrap up, because it's important. So remember, believing leads to belonging. Believing in Jesus plus nothing. Those who believe are baptized. Whether it's 10 minutes after they believe, 10 months, 10 years, eventually, anyone who believes is going to go public with their faith. If you really believe in Jesus, you're going to take that step. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. So you are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Now, who is this Abraham guy, and what does he have to do with any of this? And dude, why are you throwing him in at the end of the message? This is a, Abraham, what's that about? This is so amazing. If you're new to the Bible, here's what you need to know about Abraham and why Paul says this. Abraham was a person that God loved and started a relationship with before there was a law. So before there were any rules, God chose this person, Abraham, and he called Abraham to take some crazy steps of faith. And Abraham believed in God. So then Abraham became the father of of a nation, and ultimately the father of a spiritual people. I know this is a lot, but stay with me. So before Jesus came, people would try to prove that they were really children of Abraham, that they really had a relationship with God, watch this, by how well they behaved, how well they obeyed the law. There's even a time in the Gospels, in the New Testament, that tell the life of Jesus where Jesus says, hey, you need to be forgiven, you need to be set free, and a bunch of people who prided themselves on obeying the law were like, what are you talking about? We are the true children of Abraham. They said it just like that, too. It's in the Audible Bible. You have to listen to it. But they were like, no, 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 we, we are descendants of Abraham. We are the true children of Abraham. And Jesus was like, no, 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 you're not the true. No, 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 that's not. You think behaving makes you have a real relationship with God but I came to show you a different way. So then Jesus came and he died for us and he rose again and now anyone who believes in him belongs to God. So watch this. So 
How do people who believe and belong and get baptized behave? How do you live now that there are no laws? So think about that for a moment. What would you do if there were no laws? Don't answer that out loud. Some of you, scary, scary thought, right? What would you do if there were no laws? Seriously, think about it. And then think about it spiritually. What would you do if God had no rules and there was no threat that you would get arrested or thrown into prison and obeying the law was not how you made sure you were right with God? What would you do? Well, it depends on whether or not you know the one who gave the law in the first place. And whether or not you believe that he is good and that he loved you so much, he gave his son to save you. And if you know that and you believe in his son, Jesus, and you believe that because your faith is in him, you have his power living inside of you, that would change the way you live, wouldn't it? That would begin to change the way you live. See, Abraham believed before there was a law and God accepted him because of his faith. But the reason we know Abraham believed God is because of the way he obeyed God. See, faith changed his behavior. So here's how we know we are children of God. Believing leads to belonging. We put our faith in Jesus plus nothing. Gate opens wide. We come into a relationship with God. It's as if we had never broken any law, forgiven washed, we are clean, and then we take the step of baptism because belonging leads to baptism. We go public with our faith. We're united with Christ in baptism. It's like putting on new clothes. Well, now we've personally been transformed by Jesus. We've publicly declared, I am a follower of Jesus. What happens next? Well, baptism leads to behaving. Our lives begin to change. But it's not because we're trying to follow a bunch of rules and do's and don'ts looking over our shoulder, hoping we don't get pulled over by the spiritual police. It's because our hearts are being transformed by Jesus and we're falling so in love with the God who saved us that we want to do everything we can to give him glory in this life and for our lives to reflect who he is more and more. So here's what happens. When you believe in Jesus plus nothing, you are made right with God. You belong with God. When you're baptized, you get a new spiritual wardrobe. You got the memo, rock and fresh drip. You always fit in. You're wearing the right thing at any given moment, the goodness of Jesus. And then the rest of your life becomes the joy of allowing Jesus to transform your behavior until more and more it reflects the one you believe in and belong to. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And it's available to you today. That's what faith in Jesus is all about. And if you haven't said yes to following Jesus yet, you can today. And that plus nothing makes you right with God. And if you haven't been baptized yet, you can today. And you will be given the gift. Listen, I don't care what your past has looked like. You leave it in the water. You rise washed and new, united with Christ. And if you have believed and you have been baptized, then you get the privilege and the joy of moments like this when you're reminded it's all about Jesus. He's the gate. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. My life is about him. 
Some of you have gotten distracted and you're looking at other things and you're looking at worthless things in this world or you're looking at your own shame or you're, you're hiding things in your life that, that you are, are embarrassed that you have these struggles and you gotta get your eyes back on Jesus. I'm just telling you, when you really look at Jesus, you find the power to begin to change from the inside out. That's the good news. So I'm gonna lead us in prayer. And in this moment, again, if you haven't said yes to following Jesus, this can be your day. This can be your moment. And then for all of us who say yes to following Jesus, whether today or we did this a week ago or a year ago, 25 years ago, you haven't been baptized yet. Today's your day. And then the rest of us get reminded and we celebrate with people joining the body of Christ. All weekend long, I've been right up next to the baptismal pool and have just been reminded over and over again, yes, this is what it's all about. We belong to Jesus. So I want everyone to open your heart up to God with me right where you are, in the room, watching online. If you need a real relationship with God, you don't earn it. You believe in Jesus and you're given it. And if that's you, right where you are, whisper out a prayer of faith. You can use my words if it helps you, but pray with faith in your heart, something like this. Jesus, today I believe in you. I believe you died in my place for my sins. I believe you rose again. Jesus, you are leader and Lord of my life from this moment forward. And if that's you, while everyone around you is focused on God, if you would say, I want to be included in that prayer, I'm taking that step today. Here's what I want you to do if you're in the room. I want you just to hold your hand up high. Just hold it up high boldly, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's awesome. Amazing. If you're watching online right now, would you share with us if you're taking this step? Just type the word faith in the comments. Let us know. And then everybody with me, come on, one thunderous applause to Jesus, our King. Give them all.